0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined this week with our student pastor, Let's go. Mr. Joel Kelly. Who leads our Reverb Youth with his wife Michaela and uh, Darren is has the opportunity this week to be in Montana fly fishing. I'm so jealous. And well, I don't know. I mean, yes, we are we are definitely jealous but, in theory. Yeah, right. Because I'm, I'm he's he in Montana. Yeah. It's beautiful. He's fly fishing. Except the fact that he's not fly fishing because he texted me uh, <laughs> that the weather's terrible right now. Oh. It's so windy that they can't they can't cast. So. Uh, but he has a chance to get away, still enjoy himself, enjoy the, the scenery and some some friends that are out there with him. And so um, so in his stead this past Sunday, Joel had the opportunity to lead us and teach us as we continue the sermon series. What's true about you and jumped into Romans seven. He did a fantastic job. Thank you, and uh, Thank you. just just really really excited and proud of how that service went. It was challenge. It was a challenge. You challenged us. Hmm. Um, there were things that we all had to wrestle with by the end of the teaching, and that's kind of Definitely. the mark of a um, of of a lesson well prepared and well taught is that everyone leaves thinking and and asking themselves some questions. And so, um, so yeah, we want to dive into that today a little bit. Let's do it. Yeah and you started though in the middle of Romans 7. There's yep. what? How many verses in Romans chapter 7 are 25. And you started it halfway through. So we we actually didn't get to the first part of Romans 7. Yeah. What what was the reason maybe you started halfway through and what is what is the significance or meaning of that first part of the chapter to give us full context?
1: Yeah. So um you know, we the original plan was to do the entire chapter, but um, given only 30 minutes on a Sunday, true. Um, there's just a lot to unpack here in this chapter in Romans chapter seven. Um, and really, so the thought process was, if you look at Romans seven from the start to about verse 14, where I decided to start, is is really Paul, he's he's going after the law and like the purpose of the law, what does what the law stand for? Um, and how can his audience relate to the law moving forward? And so really the decision came in, um, I had a conversation with Darren about it and it was like, I could spend 30, 30 minutes just talking about the law, which I mean is fun and cool and exciting and all that. And it's purposeful. Right. But at the same time, like this is the Jewish law. And so it wasn't really necessarily relatable to us today and the fact of how it would have been to the Jews that Paul was writing to so that was part of it but then also in Romans 7 the first six verses um, I believe are really Paul's concluding thought to chapter 6 um, and it's really what ties the knot between the two chapters uh, because the illustration that he uses is this marriage illustration which is fascinating. I mean, if you have the time to read it, it it is incredibly fascinating why he uses it. Um, And and I could have spent a lot of time there specifically because the illustration he uses is the husband, the wife, right? And the idea is that in order for us to be released from the law, someone in the relationship has to die. Otherwise, you're an adulteress, you're condemned. Um, And it's interesting because what Paul is saying is that we are the wife right Right. yeah and so the law would be then the husband but it's interesting because he says the law or the husband in this illustration would have to die in order for the wife to be free but we know to be true the law can't die yeah right I mean it's like that is God's the very thing that reveals God's nature to us and his character to us and so that can't die meaning the only option left would have to be the through the wife And so really the key between chapter six and chapter seven is then those six verses because what you see is it's through the resurrection, right? So if the wife dies, then like she can't be resurrected. The only person that can do that is, is Jesus. And so it's in that death and it's a symbolism of baptism. It's he uses baptism imagery, right? You die with Christ and are resurrected and now are released from the law. Um, but really, so I, that was kind of like the, the thought process behind it is like, do I spend time in the first six verses, which then would just kind of be an echo of what Darren taught on chapter six, or do I spend all my time on the law? Um, and I finally got to the point where it was like, what do we need to hear as a church? Yeah. Um, what is the the message that I believe I should be um, presenting and teaching through? Um so, yeah, that's kind of how we landed on those, the final verses.
0: Yeah, I know that's really good. I mean, the the first part of chapter 7, like you said, uses that marriage analogy. And I, I just love how Paul teaches using analogies. I feel like we all learn better given these different analogies. And Paul, always does a really good job. And so, yeah, that, that kind of ties up that loose end a little bit, that first yeah. part. And I, I think you're right. The back half of that chapter um, is... Perhaps more applicable to our daily practical living. It is. For sure. And, um, and it's interesting, though, that first part of chapter seven, though, it talks about the law. Mm-hmm. And we would be remiss to not mention that in last week's podcast, we talked about, Darren and I talked about uh, how we went three weeks in a row with um, speeding ticket <laughs> analogies, yep. examples.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> um, funny enough, Joel has continued the streak. I've continued the tradition.
1: We yeah. have the streak. I actually missed staff meeting on Tuesday because I was in, <laughs> I was in court. So, yeah, I was caught going thirty-two and a twenty. All right, outside my neighborhood. Nothing worse than going thirty-two and a twenty mile an hour. To that so did my wife so oh wow so now we're up to like five of yep. us here i mean this is it's the law condemns us the law the
0: condemns law, us law. correct which is what i was getting ready to say it's like this is perfect we're going through the book of romans and all of us are getting speeding tickets which is just a great fodder for storytelling and analogies it's all the illustrations you need one of the illustrations you need you use though uh was concerning your son roman and uh superheroes his favorite superhero Oh, man. And your favorite superheroes? What is your favorite superhero? Did you you nail that down?
1: I didn't say mine, but uh, if it were to come down to two, between the two universes, there's Marvel, there's DC, it's Iron Man and Batman. For you? Yes. And the reason for that is because those two people's superpower is being a billionaire. Okay. And I just think that's the greatest thing ever. Like, (laughs) their power is their wealth, which is just hilarious because it's like... They just build all these awesome toys and inventions. You know, I'm
0: I'm torn, and this is where I get in real big trouble. A lot (laughs) is where I I'm not a superhero guy. Oh man, I'm just not. And I know, I know. Like our listeners are really disappointed in me right now. They would, but perhaps there's they should be. Perhaps there's a remnant though that are that align with me on this. I
1: don't think so. You don't think so? Think I'm alone in this? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, like the people that hate Christmas. Sure, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just—I'm not a big super superhero guy. I'm not a Marvel guy. I'm not a DC guy. I—I I, I, I could not. If you lined all the characters up and told me to like put them in the correct—you you, couldn't—and not—not even—not
1: even from like secondhand. I mean,
0: I could probably make an educated guess, but okay. I wouldn't know. Wow, I wouldn't know. Like the closest thing to a superhero for me that I love and enjoy and follow. And I don't even know if it counts as a superhero, but it's like 007, the character oh, okay. 007. Yeah. Like James Bond. Yeah. Like that's, that gets me spun up. Like I love all that. I love that. Did you ever play Goldeneye? Of course. I mean, that was huge in high school yeah. for me. Love that game. So, yeah, I mean, that would be like my closest superhero. But we also talked about, I mean, ultimately, kind of circled around. You, you use the superhero analogy to really get to the villain. I do you did. have a, do you, is it possible to have a favorite
1: villain? Oh yeah. Who's your favorite villain? Definitely. Um, Ooh, that's actually a really hard question. Yeah. Um, I have. I have one. I okay. have two. You have two. And,
0: and and it's kind of like a seasonal, holiday villain. But okay. these are my favorite villains. Yeah. It's Marvin Harry, from Home Alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> that makes sense. Aren't they not the? I feel like that tells the, me a lot about your villains, your personality. They are great. They're fantastic. I they, mean, they, they are nailed persistent. The
0: part. They're persistent. Yeah, they never give up. I yeah. mean, this the
1: perseverance that they have for sure. The creative. Yeah, I think my favorite would probably it would be the Joker. the Joker, and I I do think it's just because those movies. I mean, I'm assuming props, you saw the yeah, Joker movie. Which, prop, props to Heath Ledger, and then props to yeah. um, what's his name? Oh, I'm slipping on his name. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, man, he just. He nailed that part which I, I've not seen that movie yet either.
0: It's in the it's in the queue It's kind of dark. I'm That's gonna, what I've heard, which is why I haven't really it leaves you it. feeling really gross Yeah, so for that reason I've not like jumping to yeah. go see that movie, but the point is <laughs> superheroes and villains and you you would kind of addressed this idea mm-hmm. of Who is your enemy? Yeah, you know in the back half of Romans
1: Yeah, um, I, I think Part of the reason for that, <clears throat> um, that analogy that I was going after, is because um, what we see in Romans seven is this idea of um, not necessarily. It is con- it's condemning, right, and, and it, it can be very heavy and ha- hard to process through, because we've come to to know this culture of like what I talked about in the sermon is like you are good enough, like be true to yourself, keep going, keep fighting, keep pursuing. But eventually, like what you get to is this point where it's like, I'm not, I need help. There, yeah. there is something inside of me that is that's hard to deal with. And so really in this illustration, it, w- it was, I was trying to pose and, and get us to consider and think about the idea of if there is an enemy, who is it? And, and how do we deal with it? So that's kind of like the layout that I followed, and I think that illustration was—that's why I picked it.
0: Yeah, and i have got gotten—I've gotten to start thinking about this idea of superheroes why—why why just superheroes are so popular in yeah. general. And I, I came across this study this week um, from the Kyoto University in <laughs> Japan. Now, check this out. This is unbelievable, and it talks about how humans are drawn to heroes from an really early stage of development. Okay. Um, before we can even talk, um, before we really have any verbal skills, they ran this experiment. And it was on pre-verbal infants as young as six months. Wow. They were shown a short animation in which one figure chased and bumped into a second figure. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, a third figure watched from afar. So like hmm. in this little yeah. skit they showed figure 1 bumping into figure 2 with a third figure observing observing yeah yeah and in one version the third figure steps in and prevents the collision okay and then in a in a third version the third figure runs away like doesn't step in okay yeah and then after watching the clips the infants were presented with replicas of the intervening and non-intervening third figure okay and they consistently preferred the one who saved the day. Wow. That's wow. mind blowing. That me. is like as infants, as even pre verbal humans, we have this innate draw predisposition yeah. to need a savior.
1: Yeah. And I, I do think it plays into the fact of a, uh, this need for justice, this need for exactly um, someone to step in, um, because there's two things uh, and i think in this illustration that this article what's fascinating is like i I don't know the reaction that the kid had but if they would go to the person that would save them then the opposite is they would feel left Mm. right loneliness isolation like you didn't you saw this but you ran away abandoned you didn't save me yeah so that's fascinating wow yeah so it's like we're
0: somehow rooted the yeah. sense of justice is rooted inside of yeah. us, in this need for a savior. Um, I, I just thought that was super fascinating. Talking through superheroes, talking through villains, and and and, and who who Christ is to us in our life, and who we th- say that we are. Yeah, when we we say we are our own worst enemy. You you talked a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Um, why why do we come to this ultimate? Conversation
1: within ourselves that we are our own worst enemy um I do think there's this This journey that a lot of us go on right. I mean, I think it generally happens when you're 18 Right and you step out you're no longer under your parents covering And you're trying to figure out who you are as a person and the things you need and and desire in your life and what you want to chase after um, and I think in that we begin to experience consequence to our actions true Um, not that we haven't in the past like when we were teenagers or younger it's just that our our decisions have heavier consequences there's no one to rescue me from the issues or or protect me from those issues and so I think in that you begin to to go through this and you you process the hurt the relationships the the different things along the way not that it's all bad but you eventually Begin to realize that in your life, the decisions that you are making, one, they're not just affecting you, they're affecting the people around you. But two, my actions and my um, decisions, these consequences bring implications that are, are deeper and heavier weighted than what I thought. And so it's processing through that that we then to begin to experience is like, if, if I go and do this, I'm either there's a potential I'll get rejected. There's a potential that this person won't like me. There's a potential. And even if it's something good, right? Even if it's something that we desire, our, our actions can have positive impact on people and negative, even in the good ones. And so we begin to, to identify that these actions, these, these, these choices are affecting us heavier than we thought they were. And we begin to stumble across like, I can't do everything on my own. It's, I just can't. There's limitations to my personality. There's limitations to as, me as a person. There's limitations to my gift. And it's in those limitations where I think a lot of people get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And we begin to want to blame. And I think this is a, a human trait. And I talked about it on the, ser- the, the sermon. We We want to identify the thing we can blame because if there's an enemy outside of me, I can try to beat them. You can conquer it. I can conquer it. I can fix it. I can get revenge or whatever, whatever terminology you want to use around that. But, but the problem is you, right? right? It's like <laughs> right. you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that <laughs> comes with maturity and mistakes. It's like I need help, yeah. and in my actions, even if they're good actions have negative ramifications to to me as a person. And, and so it's like uh this sin nature is is what which is what Paul is going after really hard here. It's in all of us. Yes. It, it's unavoidable. Yeah. It is it is the very thing that is carnal, right? That's kind of the language you feel here and it's built into us. We're wired this way. We're we're wired to to because of our sin nature, go against God. And so that is the idea of you are your own worst enemy. So
0: Yeah, and I love that Paul is really honest in this chapter. Mm -hmm. Brutally. I mean, he's just like, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I should be doing, and it's a constant battle, you know, 2000 years ago yeah. he's having this conversation. Um yeah, we're still having the conversation every day. But it's but you're right, it's it's coming to the realization that we can't avoid this sinful nature. Like mm-hmm. we can we can check all the boxes, we can do, we can follow all the rules. Yeah. Um we can do all the things or we can try to believe and think our way through. Yeah. Uh, something which yeah. is kind of where you you brought up this article that was in the Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. um, this past week that that talks about this. There was a stat that you pulled out um, that said eighty four percent of Americans. Okay, so that's you line up a hundred people, yeah, eighty four of them will say that they believe that true happiness is found within. Yeah. Now on the surface, like that that's That sounds really exciting. Like, yeah, just believe. Yeah. Like, man, we can, we can, you can have happiness if you think hard enough and just believe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah.
0: But we know how this plays out.
1: Yeah, and I I do think it's fascinating because our eighty-four percent—that would definitely mean that a lot of Christians believe that. True. Well, of course, yeah. That believe that are are. Our imminent goal is to enjoy ourselves. And, and I think because the, the, the other thing I said was that the, the Westminster Catechism answer has been inverted the idea that the chief end of man is to glorify and enjoy himself. What the Westminster Catechism is, is the chief end of man is to glorify God, not himself, um, and enjoy God forever. And so it, it's just like, where? did we become so arrogant in ourselves to believe that my need for peace, my need for joy comes from me. Yeah. Right. And I think part of this is law. I mean, so the mention of the law in Romans seven, he, he uses it in three different ways, which is fascinating. Right. So he talks about, the law as in the 613 laws in the Old Testament, he talks about the laws and the 10 commandments, but the other one is the use of this moral standard that all humanity, regardless of belief in God or not, this moral standard that we all live and expect each other to live up to, right? And so this identification of this moral law and moral standard, how it connects to this article is this idea, it's like, There is something inside of you that needs this, um, whether it's an image of God or whether it is the God, you need something that is greater and outside of yourself to pursue. Yes.
0: Yeah. Like regardless of what you believe, regardless on whatever side of the spectrum, there is something innate in us Mm -hmm. that begs or calls for something greater. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of this article, um, there was two more stats that I I went, you know, you pulled out that article and I was like, man, I got to read more about this. Yep. Um, 86 percent believed that to enjoy yourself, you must, quote, pursue the things you desire the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another 91 percent. So this is nine out of 10 Americans in in this poll, in this study. Yeah. uh, Agreed with this statement to find yourself Look within yourself. Wow. Nine out of 10. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> so I just kept digging into this this article. Definitely. One of the things that it, it pointed out was this other study. I don't okay. know if, if you read deeper into this. I did, yeah. It talked about um, this idea of a small self. Are you yeah. familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Where it talks about uh, these these large... Um, um, places so, to visit on Earth. That are awe-inspiring. The right? awe-inspiring places like Mount Everest or the Grand Canyon or Yosemite yeah. or Niagara Falls. Have you been to any of those places? All of them. Have you really? All of them. You've been to the Grand Canyon. Yep. You've been to Yosemite. Yep. Um, you've not been to Mount Everest.
1: Oh, just kidding. I was supposed to. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> uh,
0: Niagara Falls is another one. I've actually been.
1: All on the ones there. that are in localized to us. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and so they, they were throwing out these stats, like um, 35,000 people a year go to Mount Everest, yep. which is That's probably more than I thought realized. Yeah. But 4.5 million visit the Grand Canyon, uh, 3.5 million visit Yosemite every year, and 30 million visit Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. And it talked about how deep down we crave this idea of all. Yeah. And um, what this study found is the scientist uh, Paul Piff. That's a great name.
1: <laughs> the Paul Scientist Piff.
0: Paul Piff. That's awesome. Of the University of California. Yeah. He coined this term small self. Mm-hmm. And he was describing this phenomenon how people flock to all inspiring things. And after exposing his subjects to severe elicitors of awe, the scientist found um, that people felt smaller. Mm-hmm less self-important, yeah. and behaved in a more pro-social fashion. Wow. Yeah. And basically, the results of the study said awe-struck people were more generous, more dialed into the needs of others, and more caring toward the natural world. Yeah. So once they finally saw how big and awe-inspiring the world is, yeah. it pulled them out of themselves from looking inside yeah. to looking outside and seeing that. Man, this world does not necessarily revolve around yeah. you.
1: Yeah, it's the the looking of yourself as small is when you begin to realize. So I mean, what's what he said, right? The more generous, the needs of others. Like it is no longer about you; it's about us. Yeah. Um, which I think is awesome, and it's interesting because the the idea of awe is not really a, a rational thing for us, right? Like it's the feeling of awe is almost irrational. It's like where you feel so tiny right and so insignificant um that there's this enormous beautiful whatever thing that that just totally can swallow you up but i think it's at that point where you build you begin to find happiness yeah because it's it gives you two pathways When and i think the answer is through christ but you have the idea to fight that or, or to turn to Christ because you are small. You are insignificant. And the only way through that is to rely on him, not on us.
0: And and how much the Lord, the God almighty was able to accomplish through just individuals. Oh, yeah. A single person. Yeah. I mean, you, you have all this extravagance across the world that he's created, these incredible things, but the impact that one person can make when they're doing it for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just countless examples of that. Exactly, yeah. People that have changed, have changed the world.
1: Yeah, Paul, one of them. <laughs> and and what Paul, he, yeah, what Paul does he one. say? He says, I'm a wretched man.
0: Yeah, I like that you, you pulled that out um, on Sunday, Oh, Wretched Man, um, because you, you talked about what that word means in the in the Greek, uh, which means exhausted after battle Yeah. to be just wretched,
1: <laughs> exhausted
0: yeah. after a fight.
1: Yeah. Darren would say rang out like a chamois. <laughs> Rung
0: out like a chamois. Absolutely. Just wretched. Yeah. But that's a really accurate description of the battle against
1: the flesh sometimes. Yeah. It's like just exhausting. Oh, it's, I mean, it's every day. It's not even every day. It's every moment of our life. Uh, you feel that pull right you feel the tug to to return back to sin and the and the reason like sin's fun right yeah. I, mean, I mean sin is enticing sure. it, it's it gives you the the sense of temporal satisfaction right i mean if it if it wasn't fun people wouldn't do it sure um so yeah i mean it's just something that we have to to be on guard and and be aware of every single day so what was your background um, like what kind of church did, did you grow up in church? I did. Yep. So we, I was born and raised in Indiana and we grew up in the IFB world, so which is international and in, independent, I'm sorry, independent fundamental Baptist, yep. of course. Yep. Um, and it's actually, it's really interesting. So the, the reason my story is kind of weird is because even though we grew up in the IFB world, um, my family didn't live IFB world. Okay. Um, I went to the school there, I went to church, but at home. We, we lived way different than, than what most of my classmates and friends did. And so that really began to actually affect me in this weird way. Right. Because it's like my teachers, my, my pastors, my youth pastor, our kids pastor, all of them would be like, you need to do this, do that, do this, do that. And then we would get home and my parents did the, not they didn't do the exact opposite, but they just didn't. We, We still went to movies. We still went to the pool. We still did all these types of things. You weren't allowed to go to the pool. No, not with
0: the opposite sex. No. Yeah. Same. I grew up in the same background, so (laughs) I knew what you meant by that,
1: but people may not know what you mean by that. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and so it really began to affect me because it was in that I I began to see uh, not to call them out, but it was a little bit of hypocrisy Sure. and and me not knowing and understanding really fully what it means to follow Christ and, and obey him. Um, it really affected me because I saw the Christians that were saying and doing things that I felt went against what grace meant. Um, And so I really got bitter. I got bitter towards the church. I got bitter towards a lot of the people. There was some scenarios in school where I felt like love wasn't shown because the whole idea is if you can't fix it, you cut it off, right? If you can't, if there, if there's sin in your life, you cut it off immediately. separate, 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 to live this holy life that is for God um, which part of some of that can be good and, uh, and, and healthy I'm not saying that but I felt as if I was being cut off yeah. from the from the church and from a gathering of believers um, and so I, I honestly when I was in high school I hated God I hated it hated Christianity and I had a plan as soon as I turned 18 to pack my stuff go to a secular college and and live my life do my thing be done with it yeah but um it was interesting so my my senior year um after i graduated i was me and my brothers were sitting at a panera and we counted about 52 first responding first responder cars pass we were kind of like what so we hop in our car and we follow them and this we get to the scene of an accident and this bus had crashed and we look, and it was actually our church's bus. Oh, wow. And it was our, the students returning home from summer camp. Oh, wow. And so I knew all of the kids on this bus, right? Um, I had gotten kicked out my junior year, switched schools my senior year, but I still was friends with and knew all the students at the school. Um, and so in that accident, my, my youth pastor and his wife and their unborn baby passed away. Oh my gosh. Um, my math teacher from eighth grade passed away. And then several of these, these kids were life flighted and taken to the nearest hospital, just severe injuries. Um, one kid was injured so bad that his spine was actually severed. Wow. It was only balancing on itself. And so there was just a lot of horrific, it was a horrific accident. And I just, Me and my brother, we'd we'd go to this church and we know all these people and and it was in this moment I realized my limitations. Mm. I realized it was like the lights went on for the first time in my life. Mm. And I I, I knew in my life the way I was going, the way I was living, the things I was doing, it was going to be lonely, long, hard. And it was really the first time I really understood my sin and I realized my need for a savior. And so I got saved that day. Wow. And I applied to this college, Bob Jones University, got accepted the next day and about less than a week later moved in. So yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of my story of how I came to know Jesus. But in the the sermon, I used the illustration of this battle with nicotine and that went on even after my salvation moment. Um, My salvation moment did cure me from a lot of, I was into drugs and alcohol and parties and all that. Um, And that really broke in me that day. But this nicotine addiction was, was deep. Um, And so that went on for about four, five more years after that. Yeah. So.
0: And coincidentally ended up meeting your wife at college. The first day. Wow. Less
1: than a week later. I'll wow, talk about redeeming yeah. that whole situation our, our first conversation. I was actually bawling like a baby because it was I was sharing my testimony Yeah, and it was yeah, I was like, well, she probably is never gonna talk to me again, but she did And so it was
0: from that it was really from that moment. Yeah. that was the the turning point it was in your faith.
1: It was Yeah, yeah, it was the the moment of surrender that I that I experienced It's like It's not about me. It's about God my my life isn't for myself, it's for him. And so everything I, I wanted to do in my life wasn't for my personal gain or for my personal wealth or whatever. It was I wanted everything to be about him. And I didn't really understand that at the time. That was more of like a feeling that I couldn't verbalize yet. Um it was funny because I mean, I went to Bob Jones, which is still <laughs> IFB, right? Um and I just walked around like the biggest weight on my shoulders that I've ever that I've ever experienced was taken off. And so I was telling everybody my story, I was sharing, I was like, dude, let me tell you what the God has saved me from in my life. And it was actually, it was, it was so freeing and so fun. Um, even and Bob Jones is a hard school to go to, but it was, it was one of the sweetest and most Epic experiences of my life.
0: Yeah. And for those that may not know, like, Yeah, You know, Joel and I do have similar upbringings. We were both part of an IFB church, obviously. But what that means is, you know, a fundamental Baptist church, fundamental part of that is really kind of where things can get sideways. Um, I would say that I had, I I grew up in really an incredible church, uh, an incredible youth group. I would say that my theology wasn't uh, where it should be or I wasn't. Taught the full scope of theology yeah yeah, <laughs> um hey. the fundamental part is where it was mostly uh your good is your last mistake mm-hmm. right
1: it's it's it, it's a theology based on the law it is, and this is why this this chapter hit me really hard, yeah um because it is in in the the world i we grew up in it's it's very much so about works, yeah. And the fact of trying to be better and do better. And really what Paul is saying is sinners don't need to do better. They need to surrender their life to God because that is the only answer.
0: Yes. And yield themselves to the spirit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that would be the other other side of the coin in, in my upbringing as well in that world is... We we, re, we really were not spirit led per se. Yeah, <laughs> even yeah. just that yeah. phrase
1: was foreign. Oh, dude. Yeah, um, it would definitely quench some butt cheeks in the service if we said <laughs> the, the spirits moving. <laughs> and and it
0: wasn't even necessarily the, you know do these things. Yeah, it was more don't do mm-hmm. these things. Um, and For so sure. yeah, I mean, it just it's just rule driven, rule driven oh, yeah. culture. And so you know you carry that in like you say you carry that into adulthood and you start kind of realizing that man, i am following all the rules mm-hmm. and i'm still wretched
1: yeah like i'm still who i was i'm still who i
0: was even yeah. though i'm i'm a i'm a good boy right yeah and i'm still not right with god like you you just know like i still yeah. have to make peace with the lord like i yeah. still need a savior to forgive me yeah um, and he's not going to forgive me on the basis of my good deeds. Nope. But a, but but for what he did. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's that was a similar similar thing yeah. For, for yeah, me.
1: it's it's just because of season of life where we're at. We're at. Yeah. Michael and I, being twenty six recently, out of the whole college world, um, we've had a lot of conversations with friends from from that world, and it's really the same thing. Paul's Paul's going after is like. You try, you try, you try, you keep going, you keep going, and you, you try to do the list of don'ts, you try to do this and it's been fascinating because all of these people are struggling so deeply. Oh wow. And it's and the sad part of that culture is if I show my struggle it is met with separation. Yeah. And Paul is like, No, like we need to show grace to those people and that's where the which we'll get to is the Romans eight moment. Right. It, there is therefore now no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus and so it's but it, it it's being able to walk with our friends through this this very chapter uh, coming from a, a culture of law and uh, showing them that they can live a life of grace has been oh it's been so cool to watch
0: yeah and and i i love that we went to Romans 8 verse 1 yeah. it's like okay paul couldn't you have just stuck I that wish, verse at I the wish. end of verse, in the end of yeah. chapter seven and just finish up this chapter with a nice pretty yep. bow on it? Uh, but no, we need to turn the page. Yep. And sometimes I think we have to do that for ourselves. Like we have to turn the page Yeah. and see that the, the good news on the, on the other side of that. And in this case, it's Romans chapter eight, verse one. And um, and then this coming week, Darren's going to expound upon yeah. all the really good news that is in chapter eight. It's oh, probably think, one of the most popular chapters. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible, in in scripture. Is yeah. Romans chapter eight so good? Did you? This is kind of a sidebar, but <laughs> in your in in your school experience, did you guys have corporal punishment back then? Yes, you did.
1: Uh, you? I have sat under many. <laughs> did you ever get a whooping? Yep. <laughs> Mr. Washburn. Okay. Well. Well. Now we're naming names. He won't listen.
0: Yeah. But. Mr. Mr. Thompson for me. <laughs> I got whooped, man. That's yeah. when you could. I mean, those may not know. I mean, corporal yeah. punishment is when uh, the school principal could issue uh, a yeah. spanking. So if you were a bad boy, it's
1: actually kind of funny. Actually, it's not funny. <laughs> the reason I got a spanking is because I, I made a pencil. Yeah, with with the rubber band turned into a gun, and I shot it at my teacher. Did you hit it in, in kindergarten? Yes, I did. Oh
0: man, you're a good shot too, Mrs.
1: Jones. Oh. I, I and I wasn't necessarily like intent. I thought it was kind of funny, cool, and so I shot her and hit her like right in the leg. <laughs> um, that was my first detention too. Got a detention in kindergarten. And and yeah. the, uh, a a smacking. And a smacking.
0: Yeah, mine was. Uh... I gave I gave a kid a wet willy in the bathroom. Stop putting your finger in people's ears, Mo. Come on, I know, right? (laughs) I ended up in the principal's office. I was a second grade.
1: And was it considered, did they say it was bullying? Is that why? Bullying? That wasn't
0: a phrase then. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a little older than you. Fair. Uh, but that phrasing wasn't, wasn't in, but it was just, it was disrespectful yeah. and whatever. I give a kid a wet willy <laughs> in the bathroom. The next thing oh. I know, I'm in Principal Thompson's office and was awesome. I'm getting, getting a whipping. Um, <laughs> and then in those days, obviously, if you got a whipping at school, I mean, you got oh. a whipping at home. Oh, yeah. So Oh yeah. I've not given anyone a wet willie in probably 30 years.
1: You never probably will.
0: Right. But, we, you know, you learn. Learned your lesson. <laughs> you learn. Uh, this, this particular series has been great um, just in general as kind of a calibration. Like, what's true about you? Because w- one of the things that we we're pushing up against in, in culture is, yeah. uh, is this idea of secular humanism and and that's kind of what you you called out just a little bit even just with this article that's talking about you know what's the the happiness is found within. Yeah. what we what we are coming to understand and what science is literal science is catching up. Yeah. psychology finally. is catching up to the fact that happiness is not found within. No. And yeah. and so as a as a church as a as a body of believers um Going through this chapter is a reminder for all of us that what's true about us is that we are sinful in nature and in need of a savior mm-hmm. and And that's actually good news it is yeah, like the good news of the gospel, and that's what that's that's the freedom that you live in, yeah
1: turned your life around yeah, exactly yeah, and and that's something i i mean, I'm a youth pastor, so my job is teenagers, and this culture of of self worship in this article has been i mean so prevalent in, in teen culture that the way to make it is to to just keep thriving and keep going but it just creates this culture with teens that is just this unbearable pressure and, and that's why you see social media i mean it has played such a significant role in their lives and now is the very playground in which teens communicate and play on but it's, I mean, you're comparing yourself to people's highlight reels. Do you, do you feel like that's the number one, like a top
0: three list for teens in terms of peer pressure? Is it the comparison
1: game? Is that like up top? I would say number one is family pressure. I would say number two is social media. What do you mean by family pressure? Um, it's, and I think it's this more pertains to the the area of which we live like to succeed yes. academically yes. athletically yes. all of that and I think that's just the bubble we live in um, It's the idea of my parent. Look what my parents have accomplished. How much further do I need to go? And, and they wouldn't even necessarily I don't think they would necessarily voice this but it's a pressure that they feel and, and it's generational it's it, it's a part of their life it's like my mom has all these expectations. My dad has all the ex- these expectations. I can't live up to the expectation. Yeah. How do I communicate that? And I think a lot of that can come out in a bunch of different ways, not to get into all that. But yeah, I would say social media is probably two. Three would be school.
0: And what about social media is the major issue that you run into with teenagers?
1: Um, lack of boundaries from parental. Um, there's, and I think that's partly to do with parents aren't educated necessarily on the tools that are offered out there. It changes so quickly. It does. I mean, the, the
0: apps, what the apps can do. The, I mean, all of the different new. Yep. Like, you're and always parents are the last the to find thing. out. Yeah. Yep. The kids know about it immediately. Yep. The parents are what? Probably two years behind. <laughs> At least. Two years behind in their knowledge At of least. social media communication. Yeah. And I would, I would guess a lot of parents kind of throw their hands up in the air.
1: Yeah. they uh, And they do, but I, I don't think that's necessarily helpful to your teens because when a, a kid has unlimited boundaries and I experienced this in my life, like, um, my parents did the best they could raising me, but we didn't really have a lot of necessarily blockers or things to to protect us from different things. And so it was kind of free range in our own term, in our own sense of the word. And I, I mean, my niece is experiencing this right now. Um, But for me personally, I was allowed to stay on my phone as late as I wanted, do the things I wanted to do on my phone, look up all the things I wanted to look up. And and I begin to go down all these different rabbit trails and holes and things and learning things that I didn't even necessarily understand what I was learning. But it would create this unrecognized effect on my life because of the pressure to need to stay informed. And I really do think that's where the pressure for teenagers comes from is this idea of if I do not stay active in the social media world, I'm going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. And in sense yeah. of the playground world, I will be the kid that's sitting next to the teacher on the bench while everyone else is playing and having fun. It's like, and they don't want to do that. They want to be a part of their culture. They want to be a part of their friends and they want to see the new trends and the funny things. And so that pressure really pushes them to have to consume and, and try to keep up. But it's in that keeping up they, that that causes a lot of anxiety, depression. I mean, it's at an all-time high with teenagers. Um, and it, I think it's, it's killing a lot of their uh, – killing the teenagers, their lives, and their joy today.
0: Yeah. I mean, you guys are on the front lines of this. I mean, you're seeing it. You're experiencing it one-on-one. And this is everything from – I mean, we'll just call it what it is. I mean, there's the violence, yep. the gore, the pornography is yep. just rampant. And – uh, kind of a, a heads up, parents, hmm. your kids know more and have seen more than you think they have. Way more. Um, which is kind of a, a sobering thought, yep. but it's true. You know, I, we did student ministry for a decade ourselves Yep. at the kind of the advent of smartphones. Yeah. And the rate in which the entry for pornography for a teen at that time went from like, you know, a high school, like a senior in mm-hmm. high school, like all the way down to middle school within like two years from yep. when the iPhone came out.
1: I think the average, and that could be a year or two off, but um, we just recently did a series about sex and, and yeah. all that. I think, and I read this article, the average exposure to pornography today is eight. Eight years old. Eight years old. Yeah. Average. That's the reality. Yeah. And
0: and it's it's hard to hear that. It is. It's hard to hear that. But it also speaks to what we're talking about. The fact mm-hmm. that we have a sinful nature. Yep. It's, it is in our DNA. Yep. Um, and no matter how old or young we are, we fight against this and we are, we are drawn to it. You said something Sunday. I don't know if you have a quote with you or nearby, or if you remember something about how, um,
1: the law is a magnet. Yeah. Yeah. I so the law is a magnet that draws out the corruption and the sin in our life. That is, that is really
0: good. It's a yeah. reminder, and it's true. Yeah, like there's a magnetic force. It feels, and it is a
1: force. It is. It's the flesh warring against the spirit.
0: which yeah. you, you mentioned as well. There's yeah. this constant warring.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Paul kind of he he did allude to that, and and I that's why I encourage you to go read the chapter, the whole chapter, and I think if it's verse eight or nine, um, he he says that the, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me, but basically he wouldn't know what it means to covet if it wasn't for the law. And the law is the very thing that has drawn out the coveting. It's the identifier to the sin and the need for a savior. And the reason why I think that's so significant is because he has this passing by phrase and it's, it's read over all the time. It's like I was free apart from the law, but the law, once the law came, it then condemned me. But it's this, I it, the reason why that's significant is because there is a standard of which God has created for humanity to live by. I mean, this goes all the way back to yeah, the beginning in, in the garden. In the garden. Yes. Um, and so it's in that standard, though, that we see that humans aren't enough. And, and the paradox is the point. And I think that's really the point of this chapter is like, even though this law exists that, that is holy, it is righteous, it is good, it is God's character, and it reveals God's character, it doesn't go away. It is in the paradox of no matter how hard you try to be and do and and do the things and and be good and, and you're always going to fail. And when you fail, it almost acts as this thing that aggravates you, right? And your sin is then riled up and it wants to keep sinning and wants to keep going. And then then the law comes back and condemns you, but it's finally, he gets to the points who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to God. Right. And so, Because of this law that is constantly condemning us, it's the very thing that identifies where we need Christ. Where are we? Where are our shortcomings? Where are we sinning? What are the things that are being drawn out of us that need to be met and 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 surrendered to God? Yeah.
0: Yes, and um, at the end of the day, the the law is there to protect. Yep. So. Um, yeah, we, we joke about the law sometimes or um, or, we, you know, we bring bring it up in a way that may seem condescending. Yeah. Um, but what we're really addressing is what Paul's addressing is the law won't save you. Um, it's just a, we're reminding ourselves that, but also remembering that the law is there to protect. There's a there's a lot of laws in the Old Testament and many standard laws that Jesus spoke of yep. uh, that were there for protection for our protection yep. out of love and safety mm-hmm. um, but it's when we live our life um, when we hold those as an idol or those as as God yeah uh, is where it's out of alignment yep and we need to be spirit led yep and trust in Christ yep
1: exactly Romans chapter 7 what a plateful <laughs> It was it was definitely probably one of my most enjoyable experiences of studying yeah. so far in my teaching career. Your teaching career, well, which you did is a fantastic only four years job. Young,
0: yes, and, and we're excited to, to have you do it again. In um, this Thank week, you. Darren will be jumping in, like you said, to one of our favorite chapters in the, in the Bible, Romans chapter eight. Uh, he'll be back with us this Sunday, of course. He's gonna kill it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just there's a lot of freedom oh, to be found. Um, in Romans chapter eight, and really excited for for people to kind of switch gears yep. a little bit. I mean, like you said, it's exhausting to have to deal with this inner man all the time. Yep. But when we can come to understand what um, the the in verse starting in verse eighteen, kind of just a little peek ahead, uh, Romans eight eighteen, it talks about um, from suffering to glory, like moving yeah. from this suffering burden of sin into the glory and freedom of redemption um, is just a reminder that I think we could all use. I need it. Every day. Yep. So if you haven't been following us on the series, maybe you're new to the podcast, maybe you've just stumbled on it or, or you've just started listening, you can always go back uh, and scroll back through and, and catch up on previous deeper podcasts, previous teaching podcasts, and uh, get caught up on our sermon series. You can Watch it live if you want. If you want to throw it up on your TV or on your iPad or your phone, go to YouTube. Just search Conduit Church. It'll pull up for you there. And just wanted to mention as well, Instagram. You can follow us there. We're we're always kind of posting little clips and pictures and reminders of everything that's happening uh, here at Conduit on our socials, and of course our website, conduitchurch.com. You can follow everything there. Joel, thank you for spending time with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was great. Glad that you were able to step in and share with us, and we look forward to uh, being back here again next week.